Hey, uh, how was Thanksgiving? Is it good? Anybody eat too much turkey? Anybody sitting beside somebody that ate too much turkey? We're thinking about starting a small group called, called uh, Turkaholics Anonymous. My name's Mark, and I'm a turkeyholic. So anyway, come on. <laughs> That's all right. Some of you guys have been to some of those meetings. That's good. Hey, uh, today we're wrapping up a short series called The Attitude of Gratitude. Anybody in here joining us online? Anybody ever need an attitude adjustment? Anybody sitting beside somebody that needs an attitude adjustments? Eyes right this direction. No nudging your neighbor. You'll be in good shape. Hey, last week I loved that Pastor Richie was uh, talking to us about the attitude of gratitude. And what he said was this, being thankful is a reflection of what we believe. Do you know what we believe really does come out in how we relate to others? And I love that message and I love that point. Some, but how many of you know when you move in and lose your attitude of gratitude, it's easy to blame it on somebody else. And it's up to us to live with an attitude of gratitude. And today I want to talk to you about the subject, I am just so grateful. Come on, say that with me. I am just so grateful. Say it again. I am just so grateful. Last week, one of the things that Pastor Richie did is he reminded us uh, that an attitude of gratitude is a choice that we make. You have to choose to get on board because it's not naturally going to happen. It's kind of, I was thinking about this week, it's kind of like those uh, moving walkways at the airport. You familiar with those things? Those things are awesome. So you can, with all of the stuff that you're carrying onto the plane, you can just walk by yourself or you can get on that moving platform. And if you're really tired, you can just stop walking and you're still going to keep moving. And I read this week that one person said about that, that the main benefit of those moving walkways is that weary passengers can get a chance to rest their legs while at the same time still moving towards the destination with their luggage. And every time I fly, I get on them and, and we're cruising down the airport and those things. And I look around and there are other people that aren't on there. And so I wonder why some people choose not to utilize the benefit that's right there. Because obviously they're tremendously helpful. They potentially help you move to your destination quicker. And it's certainly easier than just walking on your own. And it's available for everyone. So why not get on board? And I was thinking about this week, and I was thinking about uh, Pastor Richie's message that, that, that an attitude of gratitude works the same way. It's available for everyone. It's going to help you tremendously. But the thing is, you have to choose to get on board. I don't know about you, but it seems so much easier rather than living with an attitude of gratitude, it seems so much easier to remember your frustrations. Frustrations like when everyone thought you were wrong, but you were right. Frustrations like looking in the mirror and not seeing what everybody else sees, but constantly seeing that one thing that you hate about your body. Frustrations like not getting the credit that you deserve for the hard work that you did for that big project that came together well. Could have been that time that you were lied to by someone that was really close to you or, or maybe somebody in 
talking to you significantly bent the truth and it changed the meaning of everything in the conversation. Possibly it was somebody that chose not to keep their promise to you. Or maybe it's somebody that said something negative about you. Church, can I tell you the list goes on and on and on. And the point is, it's so much easier to remember the things that frustrate you, to talk about what frustrates you, and to expect frustration to be the banner that covers your life. In fact, it seems like today that the norm is to be critical. You know, in being critical, you don't really have to work at it. It just seems to flow out of us like a spring running down the side of a mountain. Come on, somebody. You know I'm talking to somebody today. How many of you know it's easier to not have an gra- attitude of gratitude, and it's easier to walk being critical? In fact, today, I'm willing to bet we all know someone just like that. In fact, from time to time, all of us are that person. But I loved what Pastor Richie was talking to us about last week, that people typically aren't drawn to people that are negative to people that are critical. In fact, he did a short poll in here last week and he said, how many people want to spend your life hanging out with the Eeyores of life? There was one person. Everybody else wanted to be around the positive people, the Tiggers in life. And our goal, if we really are going to make an impact for the Lord Jesus Christ, is to live by the phrase, I am just so grateful. Do you know that one phrase changes everything? When I get up in the morning, I can choose to get up grumpy. I can choose to be grumpy all day long. And do you know that it affects my entire household? But things radically change when I get up and just say, I'm just so grateful for you. It changes everything. And I'm convinced this, there's a lot more for us to be grateful for than we realize. And when we choose to live with an attitude of gratitude, it changes everything. I wonder what would happen if we chose to make our lead card in every conversation. We started it this way. I am just so grateful for you. Today, I want to take a look at a story that has a perfect example of gratitude and how that having an attitude of gratitude literally changed a life. And if you've got your Bibles today, I want you to open them to Luke chapter 7. In fact, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. In the first service, I kept saying 17, and people were looking at 17, and they're like, that's not what the Bible says. That's because it was in Luke 7. And let's take a, a look at a biblical example of an attitude of gratitude. We're going to start in verse 36, and this is what the Word of God says. Afterward, a Jewish, a Jewish religious leader named Simon asked Jesus to his home for dinner when Jesus accepted the invitation. When he went to Simon's home, he took his place at the table. In the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets, known to all to be a prostitute. And when she had heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster, filled it with the most expensive perfume and went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader. 
and then knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all of the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with the tears that had fallen from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. Then she opened her flask and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. And then it goes on to say, when Simon, who was the host of the party, when Simon saw what was happening, he thought, this man can't be a true prophet. If he were really a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. Now, I know that because we had potentially heard that story before, or we spent a little bit of time studying it, that we can fly right by and how incredibly awkward this particular situation must have been. First of all, it's taking place in the home of Simon, who is a Pharisee, he's a religious leader, but he didn't care for Jesus. In fact, he wasn't a fan. His, his tweets weren't flattering. His Instagram post looked more like an election post. And his Facebook was a platform to question Jesus. In fact, the very reason that Simon invited Jesus into his home was not to host him, but to expose him publicly as a fraud. And what I love about this story is that Jesus is in the margins of life hanging out where no one else would want to be, eating with a vocal critic. In fact, I want you to picture your most vocal critic, the one that picks you apart about everything, the one that posts about you, the one that thinks that everything you do is stupid. And now pretend for a moment that they invited you to come eat with them at their house. I'm just willing to bet that most of us would have something going on that night that we could be there. But if that wasn't awkward enough, in the midst of that awkward setting of eating with somebody that was vocally against Jesus, it gets even more awkward. So what happens is an outsider, a prostitute, she's known by everybody, she comes right in. She's not invited she crashes the party while they're eating. And when this prostitute comes in, interrupts the whole meal, she falls at Jesus' feet. And she starts crying so hard that Jesus' feet is now wet with her tears. Now, if that isn't weird enough, she takes her own hair and starts drying his feet. Now, can you imagine all the guys in this room and all of the guys watching online, can you imagine, guys, if you go out to eat today and the lady with a reputation for seducing men comes right up to your table, falls right down at your feet, and begins to hug and kiss your feet? Well, at that point, somebody call the popo. Because crazy has just entered the room. Can you imagine the thoughts that everybody else would be thinking? And then if that's not weird enough, can you imagine trying to explain why that woman feels a connection to you? 
Church, I can tell you, as understanding as Becky is, if that happens this afternoon while we're eating lunch, we're going to have a discussion. Come on, somebody. Can we all just agree nothing good can seemingly come out of what's happening at that meal? But I love what Jesus does. In the middle of the awkward, in the middle of the raised eyebrows, in the middle of the questions that everybody's trying to think through, in the middle of trying to figure out an explanation of why this lady is kissing my feet and wiping it with her hair, In the middle of all of that, Jesus takes time to give help to somebody that desperately needed help. You see, I I love, what I love about Jesus is that the marginalized do not repulse Jesus. They draw him in. In other words, in this particular story, in her embarrassment, in her failures, in her shame, Jesus wasn't laughing in agreement for the condition of her life. In fact, he didn't shun her at all. He just loved on her. And instead of being concerned what everybody else in the room thought about his reputation, he put his reputation on the line to care for somebody that was marginalized. You know, picking up this story in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 40, this is what the word of God says. Jesus said, Simon, I have a word for you. Go ahead, teacher, I want to hear it, he answered. It's a story about two men who were deeply in debt. One owed the bank $100,000 and the other only owed $10,000. When it was obvious that neither of them would be able to repay their debts, the kind banker graciously wrote off all of the debts and forgave them of all they owed. And everybody in the room that's not a banker said, amen. Come on, write them off. Tell me, Simon. Which of the two debtors would be most thankful? Which one would love the banker the most? Simon answered, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven. You're right, Jesus agreed. And I just wonder as I'm reading through that, as Jesus is obviously making a point to Simon, and Simon gets the right answer, I wonder if Jesus just put an awkward moment in there to let it sink in. But you know, in the moment, it is so easy for any of us to forget what we have been forgiven of. The outsider, in this particular instance, the prostitute, the person that wasn't even invited, came into Simon's house and reminded everyone present what their response to Jesus should be. The insiders were schooled by the outsider. The ones that should have known better were instructed by the one that shouldn't have known better. Church, can I tell you, I pray that I never need an outsider to remind me of what my response to Jesus should be. I pray that I never need an outsider to remind me of the goodness of the one right in front of me. But sometimes, church, those closest to the miracle miss the miracle that's right in front of them. Simon did, and we do. You see, Simon, in his skepticism of Jesus, 
He was missing the Savior of the world. In his religious piety, he was missing the one that could grant him favor with Almighty God. In his disdain for this crazy woman, he totally missed how crazy his own actions were. And in thinking that Jesus totally missed the point about this prostitute, Simon totally missed the point of the Savior. I mean, think about it. The Son of God, Jesus, is eating at his table. And Simon is focused on drinking the haterade and serving the haterade to everybody else in the room. And it gets even better because Jesus, at that point, shifts his attention to the lady. Luke 7, starting in verse 44, this is what the Word of God says. Then he spoke to Simon about the woman still weeping at his feet. Don't you see this woman kneeling here? She is doing for me what you didn't bother to do. I wonder how many times in worship we don't bother to enter in. We don't bother to lift our praise. We don't bother to receive from him. Come on, somebody. You know I'm preaching better than that. She is doing for me what you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home as a guest, you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust off my feet. Yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears, then dried my feet with her hair. You didn't even welcome me into your home with the customary kiss of greeting. But from the moment I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil, but she anointed my head and feet with the finest perfume. She has been forgiven all her many sins. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. And I love what Jesus was doing. He was just pointing out what a, what a proper response of somebody is that is just saying, I am just so grateful. You see, for her that day, it wasn't about religion and it wasn't about doing good things. She just realized that Jesus had come for people just like her. People that had missed the mark. People that had blown it from time to time. People who are marginalized. People who should have been overlooked. And church, she was just so grateful. I don't know about you, but I can get so derailed by living in the land of cynicism and lose the wonder and the awe of Jesus. You know, when I recalibrate, when I really remember who Jesus is and what he has done for me, in other words, when I sum up my relationship with Jesus, I can't help but say, I am just so grateful. I'm just so grateful that it's not about religion, but about a savior. I'm just so grateful that I'm not where I used to be and I'm not where I'm going to be. I'm just so grateful that my sins were taking care of the cross because of Jesus. I'm just so grateful that my weaknesses do not define my life. 
I'm just so grateful that when I go to bed each night, if my life ends that night, that I will be with my God in heaven because of my faith in the perfect work of Jesus. Church, when we recalibrate and focus on the goodness of God, the precious gift that Jesus gave us in salvation, that God opened up all of the blessings of heaven, our response to him, our proper response should be, I am just so grateful. Say it with me. I am just so grateful. Say it again. I am just so grateful. But church, do you know there's an enemy of the attitude of gratitude and it's called familiarity. Familiarity with Jesus, getting so comfortable hearing about the goodness of God, it doesn't even sink in anymore where you don't even recognize everything that you've been forgiven from. And that will lead you to a place where you could potentially lose your attitude of gratitude. In other words, a quick litmus test. When you hear that Jesus is so in love with you and he never stops thinking about you, does that stir something in your soul? When you, when you sing that Jesus left the ninety-nine. To rescue the one, does that inspire awe in his reckless love for you? Or has familiarity caused those truths to bounce right off of you? In this passage, it took an outsider to lead the way in gratitude, and it changed her life forever. Luke 7, 48 picks it up by saying this, Then Jesus said to the woman at his feet, All your sins are forgiven. All the dinner guests said among themselves, who is the one who can even forgive sins? Then Jesus said to the woman, your faith in me has given you life. Now you may leave and walk in the ways of peace. Church, it's so obvious when I was reading that particular passage that sometimes we look over the miracle right in front of us trying to find something to be grateful for. You see, I don't want to rely on an outsider coming into my house to tell this insider about the goodness of God. And let me just put it this way. It is so easy to forget how inspiring our church is and to take it for granted until you meet someone whose life was changed at church that day. I don't want to have to have somebody to come into my house to remind me how special my family is. I don't want to become so familiar with them that I take them for granted and overlook the miracle Jesus did when he brought our kids into our own house. It's so easy, church, to get divided over an election until you meet somebody who escaped from a country with, that, with no opportunity to vote, no opportunity to speak out, and no opportunity to bring change. It's easy to forget how great your job is until you meet someone who's been out of a job and is struggling to pay their bills. It's easy to forget how nice your home is until you provide a sleeping bag for a homeless person who has sought help from Faith City Mission. It's easy for, to forget how incredible your spouse is until you meet somebody who's been praying for a spouse for years. Church, don't wait for somebody on the outside to come into your house and appreciate your spouse. 
I don't want to rely on somebody else to remind me how incredibly blessed I am. So it takes us to this question. Have you fallen victim to taking the things right in front of you for granted? If if that's you, church, I've got great news. Today, you can make a change. Today, you can begin to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. You can say things just like this starting today. I'm just so grateful that God is going to change someone today. I'm just so grateful that relationships with God are being strengthened today. I'm just so grateful that a move of God is happening at Amarillo Fellowship. I'm just so grateful for the people on my left and the people on my right. I'm just so grateful that what I'm going through, I'm going through to the other side. I'm just so grateful that God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? You see, an attitude of gratitude is not a challenge. It is simply a choice. And you can make a choice every day, starting today, to say, I am just so grateful for the goodness of God. Don't miss the miracle that's right in front of you. Look around and see the countless blessings that God has brought into your life. And I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle says. He says that your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I wonder what would happen if our strongest thoughts said this, I am just so grateful. Can you imagine how the relationships around you would change? As if every time you saw them, you'd say, I'm just so grateful for you. Every time you walked into your job, I'm just so grateful for my job. Every time you walked into Walmart, I'm just so grateful for Walmart. I'm just so grateful for the server that's bringing food to my table. I'm just so grateful for my kids. I'm just so grateful for my spouse. I'm just so grateful, God, that you paid a price that I could stand clean and forgiven in your eyes. Come on, church. Can somebody, can we just take a few moments today and just praise God because of all of the good things that he's brought in our life? Come on, church. Let's just praise him today. Let's just praise him today. You know, very honestly, I'm coming out of a season where I lost my attitude of gratitude. Just facing stuff. I got so sidetracked by the stuff that I forgot there's a good God that's taken me through to the other side. Church, maybe that's you today. Maybe because of life. Maybe because of how you've had to do business over the past eight months. Maybe because of all of the changes. Maybe because of what somebody said, somebody's done. Maybe you just find yourself in a place where you lost an attitude of gratitude. Well, if that's you, I'm just so glad that you're here today. Because today can be a line in the sand.